Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who stated, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. My message today is entitled, Walk in Love, Loving Your Neighbor as Yourself. Let's bow our heads as we acknowledge God together. Father in heaven, we're in your presence. Our hearts have already been blessed. We already sense, Lord, that you have already spoken to our hearts. Yet now, Lord, once again, we acknowledge you because we are about to open the word of God. And we ask that you would speak once more through your word. I pray, Lord, that the message that we receive would be a message that you would take, that you would take deep into our hearts, and may we walk from this place inspired, challenged, and encouraged to be disciples of Christ, known for their love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The human race with all its variations of of size and shape, with skin tone and eye color, so different from one another. We all have one common characteristic. Just one. And it's an innate desire. And what I mean by that is something that God himself instilled within the heart of the human creation. And then they desire to be fully known and truly loved. Fully known and truly loved. Again, it's a God-given yearning that he put within each one of us. And Timothy Keller stated this well when he said this. To be loved but not known. It's comforting but, but it's superficial. To be known and not loved, that's the greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Didn't he say that so well? Does it resound with your heart? It does with mine. Because he's so spot on. To be fully known and truly loved. So, So humanity, as we know it today... Well, it's a group of living organisms trying to find their way through life as we interact with each other in this journey we call life. We, we live together in this planet of ours. 
living life. And humanity has been around for several millenniums. In fact, the gospel writer, Matthew, describes humanity in the early centuries with this word. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, uh, Matthew, as you know, one of the disciples, he, he recalls a time when there's a, a mass of humanity together. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he describes the scene in these words. When Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Huh. I find that very descriptive. And you know, some things have not changed. You get a crowd of people today in the 21st century, long, far removed from this. And today, a multitude will be precisely consisting of the same type of people, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Martin Luther King Jr. was right. Because at the end of the day, and I know that we have learned often the hard way. But returning hate for hate? That will not, will not make things better. <laughs> returning hate for hate does nothing to, emotional, to emotionally support the harassed. Does nothing. And much less does it uplift the helpless. Doesn't do anything at all. And so that being the ultimate reality, what then is, is a true Christian's response to the pain of the crowds, of people of all around us, people all around us, who are such in such dire need of help? What is the true Christian's response? What it should it be? And it ought to be a response that cannot fail. Because after all, a true Christian is a follower of God. A God who is almighty. He's all-powerful. A God who can do all things. And so a true Christian's response ought to be a response that cannot fail. And what can that response be? Jesus said it plainly. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's, there you have it. Here's the true Christian's response to the pain of a society, of a culture that is consisting of people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's because love never fails. Love never fails. And, and that's why the good shepherd commands. You're right. It's a command. It's not a strongly su suggested, you know, 
opinion or recommendation or no, 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 no. It's 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 a command, a command to love others regardless of race or background. To love others regardless of one's faith and beliefs. Love others regardless of how, of how, of what their story is of how they moved into this country. To love others regardless of how they dress. To love others regardless of their skin color. To love others. Ask yourself. Ah. But you know what I've discovered? Not only in my life, but in observation. How easy it is to love those who are just like us. I mean, that's true, isn't it? I have a witness. I mean, we, we do like people who are just like us. Maybe that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, he asked a rhetorical question. You know, those kind of questions that have an implied answer already. He, he asked in Luke 6, 32, listen, if you love those who love you, <laughs> what difference does that make? Jesus said it. It's like, come on, come on. What difference does it make? And when you agree, when you agree about this, when you agree, we don't gain the attention of our friends by our love. When you think about it, it's almost like they expect it. Because with friends, you have a mutual relationship. You, 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 you give because you love. And so it's almost expected. We don't gain their attention by being loving. And did you notice that the Bible never says, and if I'm wrong, you can point it out, show me where the text is, but the Bible never says, love your friends. It's not in the Bible. It never says, love your friends. It doesn't say it. You know why it doesn't say it? Because we don't need to be told to do that. We don't, be, we, we don't need to be told to love our friends. Because that's, that's, that's a given. That's something that it's, it's from the overflow. We, we embrace those that we love and those that love us. We don't need to be told to do that. However, we are commanded, though, to love our neighbor. Hmm. Which, by the way, may or may not respond in kind. Hmm. Known as the greatest commandment. It is found in Luke, and rather in Mark, chapter 12. Let's, let's turn to Mark. I... I would like for us to, to actually read that text ourselves. I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to just read it to you. I want you to read it with me. In Mark chapter 12, look at verses 30 and 31. Here's, here's the greatest commandment. 
In fact, it's the greatest because Jesus himself said it was. He says there in verse 30, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says, there is no other commandment greater than these. And we can listen to those words and say with a hearty, amen. Yep. Those are good words. Those are loving words that every Christian ought to obey. But here's the problem. The problem is this. I do not know how to love when I am commanded to love. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not the kind of thing you're commanded to do and then respond to so openly and freely and desirably. It's, it's just not something you command. And so how does one obey the command to love our neighbor? Hmm. Well, first... We should observe that according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, um, Galatians 5.22 says it very directly. It says that love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, love is not the fruit of my very human nature. Love is not the fruit of my, my determination. Uh, fruit uh, fruit is, is, is something that is produced from something that puts it forth. Well, fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. It's love. It cannot be given or generated within our hearts by anything or anyone else, not even ourselves. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not a gene that our parents can pass down to us. As loving as you are, Mom, your, your love, it's not going to be just passed down to your kids. It's not even compatible with our carnal nature to begin with. It's not compatible. It's, it's something of a divine nature, and there's nothing divine with any of us. And according to Paul, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to impart love into the hearts. The hearts of who? Of his creation of mankind. The Holy Spirit does it. And only the Holy Spirit can And it should be further noted or observed that the great commandment in the law is is twofold. You notice that. It's twofold. Uh, First, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's really one command. The word and means chi, which is and therefore and also. It's really one command and a beautiful summary of the Ten Commandments, 
The first four being commandments that pertain to our love relationship with God. And the last six of the ten pertaining to our neighbor. And so we have here a command. A command to love. Twofold. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. But when we take the commandment apart, that's when we get into trouble. That's where we get ourselves into serious trouble. Hmm. And you know what? It's recorded history, so it's nothing, nothing unknown. The history of the Christian church is a witness to the fact of what happens when you separate the two. Hmm. I mean, we can't help but to, to see the history of these cathedrals that were built. Beautiful, majestic cathedrals. All for the glory of God. Cathedrals that were made so that men and women could step into the presence of God to love Him with all their heart, soul, and mind. It, it, it was a, an awe-inspiring holy ground that, would, that was intended to, to inspire devotion and love towards God. But cathedrals were made and built while at the same time, those who refused to observe and to bow down were persecuted in the name of God. Uh, they, 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 were, they, were, they were martyred for their faith because they chose to stand upon biblical principle, the Bible and the Bible only, and consequently the church. In the shadow of these majestic cathedrals built for God, they killed their neighbor and persecuted millions. But sadly, that's, that's not the only time in history where the similar thing happened. No. Hmm. It, it burns the heart to recognize, to, to be able to, to realize that, yes, even in our country's history, yes, those white slaveholders who participated most zealously, oh, in religious activities, they were religious people, were often the same ones who treated slaves most inhumanely. Hmm. In his book, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, written in 1845, yes, yeah, 16 years before the Civil War began, he wrote this, you know, I love the pure, peaceable, and partial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corruption, slaveholding, woman-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Hmm. Keen observation. You shall love the Lord your God, of course. But in the process, the neighbor is destroyed. Oh, the dangers of, 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 of separating that command that is one. And now in our day, more than even ever before, the distortion is also on the other extreme. 
It's, it's, it's almost like we've swung the other direction. We got the demonstrations. We got, we got them organized we, we, to do what? To influence public opinion. Uh, we have wars and they're denounced. Uh, we have books, articles, journals that on equality that are published. And all this, well, at the same time, God is dead. God is dead. There is, there is, there is a... a, a a, a direction which points to these, these issues of loving our neighbor and whatnot, but, but God is nowhere to be found. We have a great deal about man, but we don't know very much about God. And the reason we fail is that emphasis on one part of the great command to the neglect of the other always produces distortion and confusion. And so, love to God, a resounding yes. Love to our neighbor, again, a resounding yes. It's one command. It's one. But it takes divine intervention. That's, that's it. It takes divine intervention. Why? Because just as much as emotional and spiritual, spiritual intimacy does not happen naturally between a husband and a wife. you got to put the work in. Just because you sign on the dotted line of your marriage license does not mean that you're, you, you are being transformed into creatures that will naturally, eagerly, intentionally just emotionally connect. Uh, no, you know all too well, and I do after 23 years of marriage, that it takes work. It takes work. It doesn't just naturally happen. And if that's the case, in the intimacy of marriage, how much more does it not naturally happen between brothers and sisters across a pew from one another, and much less between the brethren of the church and the people across the street? It's not something that will just happen naturally. No. It takes conversion. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to keep the great commandment. It takes conversion to love God above all else. It takes conversion to love your neighbor as yourself. It takes conversion to be understood, to be reconciled, to be united in diversity. And when we love because we have been partakers of his divine nature, something special happens. You see, this, 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 this is all a miracle. It's all a miracle. we got to get beyond this, this idea that it's our doing, it's our initiative, it's our efforts, it's our determination. It's going it's to happen when I choose to make it happen. No, you can't divorce all this from the work of God. He's very much involved. And this is a conclusion. Instead of loving others because we need to be loved by them, we love others because we are loved by God. And consequently, we feel loving towards them, regardless of who they are and what they have done. Hmm. You see, make no mistake about it. The separation of the sheep and the goats, you know the story, right, in Matthew 25? It's right there, Matthew 25. You, get, you got the scene and the word picture that Jesus uses is sheep and goats. This is a judgment scene in Matthew 25. And, and the separation of the two, 
is based on how Christ's followers treat strangers, not friends. Not friends. It's how Christ's followers treat those who are naked, not dressed in the latest fashion trends. How Christ's followers treat those who are sick with STDs. Um, Christ's followers, who, how Christ's followers are those who are in prison, treating, treating those who are in prison and not for petty crimes. And here's the ultimate reality. Here it is in John chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus that, that bring us to the very heart of the matter. Um, turn with me to John chapter 15 because I want you to internalize these very words that Jesus spoke In John chapter 15, verse 15, he said this, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Follow closely. In our relationship with God, it reaches a place Where God says, I no longer call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. Now the Greek word translated servant is daulos. And and it means someone who belongs to another. Someone who belongs to another. And according to Jesus, they do not know what God the master is doing. They do not know what God is doing. And I'd like to suggest to you that they are among those the Bible refers to as our neighbors. Neighbors do not know what God is doing. The very reason why God needs you and me to love them. Neighbors do not know what God is doing. The very reason why you and I are called to love them. Because when we love our neighbor, we are known by our love that we are disciples of God. It's God's way of revelation to those who do not know him. They do not know what he is doing. I need you, therefore, to go love them. To go love them. Be the Samaritan that loved the one who would not be approached by the Levite and the chief priests. Remember we said that it's so easy to love those who are just like us? The Samaritan loved one who was so different than him. And he loved that one. So who might those be who fell among thieves, were stripped, wounded, and left half dead? Who is my neighbor? In the 21st century. After all, the devil is also described as a thief. And many today are falling among the thief. 
And they're being stripped and wounded, left half dead. And they're all around us. They're all around us. But who are they? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Incidentally, a controversial commercial during the Super Bowl caused millions to start asking the same question. Who is my neighbor? And may I suggest to you that your neighbor, your neighbor is the witch, the atheist, the jihadist, the KKK member, the drug addict, the gang member, the drag queen, the abortionist, the transgender, the porn star, the new age guru, the lesbian activist. Hmm. That's our neighbor. But here's the rest of the story. The rest of the gospel story. God, now don't miss this, God wants to transform neighbors into friends. Mm. He, he, he wants to be able to, to, to transform neighbors into friends. That's why Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, neighbors, for a neighbor servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. All the things I have heard from the Father, I have, been, I have made them known to you. So the call, the call to love our neighbor, one so far removed from us, looks, acts, smells, everything, nothing like us. The call to love our neighbors is so that we can reflect a divine love only made possible to us through the Holy Spirit so that those who we love may see the grace of Christ through us and be compelled by His love, that they might be redeemed and willingly live under Christ's authority as His devout followers. So neighbors... Become friends when the gospel is known to them and they embrace his unconditional love and scandalous grace and consequently radically changed. And you know what's interesting? Each of those neighbors I mentioned a minute ago, who is your neighbor? And I made a a listing of who your neighbors are. Each of those neighbors I mentioned are actually real life stories of individuals who today stand as transformed individuals with changed lives. No exceptions. Every single one of those. Giving testimony to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17 that if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Ah, old things have passed away. 
Behold, all things have become new. You see, our neighbors become friends. Their lives are transformed by the grace of God. And you know what? It brings us to this closing conclusion. Jesus doesn't just get us. He saves us. He he convicts us. He restores us. He delivers us. He transforms us. He forgives us. He redeems us. He cleanses us. He heals us. He loves us. That is what he does. And today, you and I, called to be disciples of Christ, taking his name as Christians, followers of Christ. If we are not being the testimony of the love of God shed upon our hearts the Holy Spirit, those who take his name in vain are only living a life of pretense. And it will be many of those who will later say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he will say, I never knew you. And it's not that God had limited knowledge and, wait, what was your name again? No, no, it's not that kind of not knowing you. Not not, not that kind. It's about, I never merged my will with your will to know you and to you know me in an intimate way for me to reflect and demonstrate and pour my love through you. That never happened. That never happened. But today, you and I can make a commitment, a commitment, a choice, a step, a a reset, a renewing desire. No, a choice to say, Lord... You've given me the ability to exercise my will. And I'm going to choose right now to walk in love. To walk in love as we allow Jesus to live out his life through us. To pour his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then be able to go and impact the lives of those who have not known him, that they may know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ, through his disciples who walk in love, who walk in love. And the only way it can happen is for you and I to say, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Because Christian Martin ain't going to do it. He can't. You can't. The only life that wins, the only life that truly loves is his life. And as he abides in you, you will be known. You will be known as a loving disciple of Christ because you have received Jesus to live and abide in you without ceasing. So how many of you today want to just simply respond to a prayer consisting of three short words? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
will you stand today if you want to say, Lord Jesus, please come. Give me Jesus that I might be a reflection of your love to my neighbor and to all those around us. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? With even a number this size, can you imagine the eternal impact a body like this can make? Not only in the world, but in this community? May God, by His grace alone, begin a very good work in us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to be known and truly loved. And it's beginning with you right now because you truly know us completely, fully, and you truly love us. And Lord, we ask that it would be your life and your life alone, that it would be the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone who literally pours your divine love into our lives. May we leave this place, Lord, disciples of Christ, spirit-filled disciples, and let's impact lives for eternity. Lord, give us your grace not to walk by our neighbor, not to turn the other way, not to look up and down their presence and, and communicate the wrong message. Lord, change us. And we know you will because we have asked and prayed, give me Jesus. And we know that only a miracle can take place when Jesus lives in us. So thank you for answering this prayer. In your name we pray, amen, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.